Today, I'd like you to turn with me to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. Pastor Connie continues her examination of some of the first acts of evangelism in the early church and discovers a powerful ally, the Holy Spirit, who wants to walk alongside us as we share good news. Let's listen together. Do you have a story for me from last week? I would surely love to hear it. You see, last week we looked at the fact that every follower of Jesus is an evangelist. We're all natural evangelists for something in the broadest sense of the word. So, for example, I told Pastor George that he just had to listen to this podcast that I was sure was right up his line. I took his phone, I downloaded the podcast for him, I showed him on the app where it was and what buttons to push. I suggested several times during the day when he might want to listen to it, like when he's working on the kitchen uh, in the basement of the church. For example, I'm very interested in him following through. That investment is the mark of an evangelist. However, as we saw last week, an evangelist is really a narrower word. It refers to this inner passion and this conviction, but not for a broad array of interests like podcasts, but rather in communicating the love of Jesus. An evangelist is someone who communicates our treasure, our good news about Jesus. And as we saw last week, when we commit ourselves to follow Jesus, all of us are tasked with being evangelists. Now, last week, we prayed a prayer asking God to give us an opportunity to be an evangelist, to bring us someone in conversation, in a chance meeting, in friendship, someone to whom we could communicate the love of Jesus. We prayed that God would give us the heart, give us the words, give us the actions. So what happened to you when you prayed this prayer? My story is that as I was preparing my sermon, before I even had a chance to preach it, no sooner than I had thought through that final prayer and committed my heart in that final prayer, not 10 minutes later, I went out to the church lawn to move the sprinkler. And I'm trying to adjust it so that the water doesn't hit the sidewalk or the street, and I'm getting soaked in the process. A man was walking down the sidewalk. He stopped to observe. He seemed to not be in any kind of a hurry. So we struck up a conversation, a kind of a shouting conversation over the noise of the street and over the 20 yards or so that separated us. And he asked me if church was meeting in person. And I said, no, but that, that would happen soon, June 13th. And I invited him to church and he said he would come. Now, I wanted to be able to tell you a bigger story, an axe-worthy story of evangelism in this past week, something more dramatic. I prayed about it throughout the week. I was alert to my opportunities, but God didn't bring anyone else my way. So I communicated God's love by inviting someone to church. That's what it looked like for me last week. Remember, an evangelist, which is you or me, communicates Jesus with what we have been given, and we leave the results to God. In the meantime, I've had a couple people tell me about their struggles with being an evangelist. 
So today I want to talk about some of the obstacles and to be inspired by our scripture. We are in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, you see why I had to preach another sermon on evangelism. We left the passage last week mid-sentence. Even though Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 are divided by a big number and a little space in our Bibles, the story is only halfway done by the time we reach the end of chapter 3. If you can remember all the way back to last week, Peter and John had just healed a man who was crippled from birth. This man started leaping and praising God. The crowd gathered in amazement. And Peter spoke to them, telling them that this healing, this perfect health, as Peter described it, had happened by faith in the name of Jesus. Peter told the crowd some bad news. This was the same Jesus you killed. And then he told them some good news, that their sins could be wiped out only by repentance and turning to God in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John were still speaking when the next thing happened. In Acts 4, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. Now that's an axe-worthy story of evangelism. 5,000 people added to the church through this one healing. I, of course, not being Peter or John, would have been thrilled with one added. Verse 5, the next day the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, all of whom were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. And here we see another principle of evangelism that we talked about last week. Evangelism, which is sharing or communicating the good news about Jesus, must be utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. And we see what happens when that dependency is firm and when that unfolds right here in Acts chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, there's that bad news, whom God raised from the dead, there's the good news. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. There is the really great news that we can be saved by Jesus. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. 
when they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. And they said, oh, this is such bad news. This is a terrible problem we have. What will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. The rejection of Jesus Christ in this room is solid and unyielding. These were, after all, the people, the very people who had manipulated and pulled every political string they had, used all their powers of persuasion to get Jesus unjustly killed. If there was anyone who was most directly responsible for Jesus' crucifixion, it was the leaders in this room. Their rejection is followed up, backed up by the real power these leaders had over the lives of the evangelists. They had used their power against Jesus before and it had cost him his life. So this was powerful rejection with teeth. The apostles ran into a wall. It is fear of rejection, I think, that drives many of our emotions around evangelism. And perhaps the fear of any rejection, not just powerful rejection, because we will probably never be put into a similar situation. But rejection by friends, that's powerful to us. Rejection by strangers we meet and might speak to, that hurts. The fear of rejection often keeps us silent. How will the apostles react? Just a few months previously, they were locking their door in fear of these very leaders. They were hiding their association with Jesus. They were hoping to go incognito, hoping not to be recognized. Peter, just a short while before, had denied with cursing that he even knew Jesus. Acts 4, verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. The answer Peter and John give to this powerful rejection, to the fear that had ruled their lives before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, is to say, we answer to a higher power. We have access to a higher power. We will obey God rather than you. We cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. The impulse to speak out comes from the Holy Spirit who is moving them. These aren't just dead words that Peter and John are saying. It's not a logical argument. It's not a debate. They must speak out about the living, risen Jesus, about what Jesus is doing right now in their midst. These are words of life. Verse 21, after threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. 
After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. You see, in their scripture, they had prophecy about this kind of re rejection of the Messiah from the Gentiles. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you appointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants, what, safety, protection? Grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. The power of God always, always greater than human power, unleashed even more evangelists. The effect of powerful human rejection was to increase communication about Jesus Christ, the opposite of what the leaders wanted. So you tell me, who is more important? There are three elements necessary for fruitful evangelism. And one of the three is us, the evangelists. Nothing happens without our willingness to communicate. You, who are not a Peter or a John, ordinary you, you are vital because no one else has access to your friends, your work circle, your place in society that you do. No one else can communicate the love of Jesus the way you do. Amazingly, God has chosen to work in the world through us, to work in our little corner of the world through us, so our impulse, our need to communicate about the living, risen Jesus is essential. And God only requires us to give what we have to give. Our own experience of Jesus, our own resources that we have received from him. And to communicate through our personality, through our emotions, in the midst of our circumstances. Now maybe you're in a tough spot right now. Maybe you're depleted exhausted. Maybe you're working through your own grief or anger. You can't give something that you don't have. So if you're empty right now, it's up to God to fill you up so you have enough for overflow. The second necessary element is the listener, the recipient of the communication. The whole point of evangelism is to communicate the love of Jesus to people who do not yet know him. We trust God to connect us in our family structures, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. There are so very, very many people who need love. 
there are too many toxic masquerades of love out there that people latch onto. But God's unconditional, forgiving, empowering, real love that will not let us go, that love saves us, refreshes our souls. We might be embarrassed to communicate about Jesus because people will have a preconceived idea in their head about Christians. It's not flattering these days. We don't want them to think that about us. Sadly, Christians haven't been the most loving people. Currently, we seem to have a bad rap, and much of it is deserved. And I can point out the good and the bad of Christianity. I can apologize for the bad, but I never have to apologize for Jesus. He is simply wonderful. And the honor that I have to be connected to him, to be in communion with him, the honor to obey him, to put my trust in him, knowing that whatever he asks of, of me is out of deep love for me. We are communicating about Jesus. Everyone should be offered the gift of Jesus that we have received. The dynamic between giver and receiver at this point is like a two-legged stool. It will topple helplessly unless it has a third and most important leg, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears the responsibility for opening the eyes of faith, eyes that have had blinders on previously. The power of the Holy Spirit is nothing we can harness or produce on our own, but that divine power is saving power. That power impresses the reality of Jesus upon us, both the communicator and the recipient. That power brings conviction so that we can open our minds to Jesus, open our hearts, open our hands to Jesus. So I don't think I can say it strongly enough. Evangelism, which is sharing or communicating the good news about Jesus, must be utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Now, we are strong and independent people, we Americans, and we don't much like being dependent. It's an uncomfortable feeling for us. It produces anxiety, fear, excuses. Just the thought of dependence on the Holy Spirit causes many of us to wilt because what is the Holy Spirit going to ask of us? We might look foolish. We might face anger, ridicule, rejection. Our self-esteem or our social standing might take a hit. So we instinctively hit the self-defense, self-protection button, and then the bar is clanging down, the drawbridge is pulled up, and our weaknesses are fortified and we're safe in our castle. But wait a minute, we are inside our castle while the person who desperately needs a good news is on the outside. Dependence on the Holy Spirit is a must. But the Holy Spirit might ask us to do something scary. I want to tell you a story of an ABCer whom I consider to have the gift of discernment. She feels things and she knows things about other people as she meets them. Well, she was in a professional development seminar in her work setting, 
with her work colleagues. And the presenter was up front on the platform presenting. And the Holy Spirit, Spirit tells our ABCer in a way that she kind of knew or understood that she is supposed to go hug the presenter. Now imagine that scene, if you will. Many of you just at the thought of doing something that looks that weird would have hit your own panic button. How did she know it was the Holy Spirit? What if she was mistaken? She's going to look like a crazy person. It's going to put her in the limelight in an uncomfortable way. And these thoughts were also going through the head of our brave ABCer. But she had had an incident years ago where she felt that the Holy Spirit told her to approach a young person on the street that she sensed was in trouble. And she didn't do it. And she regrets that to this day. So she stands up from the back of the room. The presenter is still talking. She walks up the center aisle to the front. Now all her co-workers see that she is walking to the front. They're the people she has to see at work. They're all watching. Every eye is on her. She knows they're wondering, what is this crazy woman up to? She goes up on the platform and she simply asks the presenter if she could hug her. And the presenter's eyes teared up and she said, how did you know as she went in for that hug? So awkward, so uncomfortable, so guided by the Holy Spirit. I don't feel that I have the gift of discernment. I don't often hear the Holy Spirit in this way. And yet, there have been moments in my life where I knew I was supposed to reach far out of my comfort zone. And sometimes I did, and I'm so glad I did. And sometimes I didn't, and I regret it. I'm not saying that things like this happen daily when we depend on the Holy Spirit, but I am saying that I need and you need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to be willing to be guided by the Holy Spirit, to be willing to communicate the good news about Jesus for these special moments, but also for less fraught, everyday, normal encounters. There are risks to this kind of dependency, but the benefits far outshine the risks. People get loved by Jesus through us. Whom can you love this week? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Precious God, fill me up with your love, for I surely need it. Forgive me my sins, my mistakes, my faults that hurt other people, for I surely need your grace and mercy. I need a fresh start every day. And I pray this prayer, not just for me, but for someone else who really needs to know that you are the God who can do this miracle, who can save us through the name of your son, Jesus. Give me someone to love this week and let me know that I'm loving them through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer with me, and if you really meant it, God can use you 
in this week? Will you tell me all about it? Will you tell me whom God sent for you to love? I'm excited to see what God does through us. As always, we'd like to invite you for this season to join us online at altadenabaptist.org or our public YouTube page every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for remote worship. All events are suspended right now, but if you need prayer, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, we pray God's blessings on you this week.